0: what is going on everybody football is back welcome back to another exciting episode of the going for two podcast this is episode number five being recorded on september 11th 2023 how are you guys all doing today i'm joined my name is ben and i am host by my co-host caleb miller how are you doing today caleb uh doing
1: great up until about you know 10 minutes ago when uh the aaron Rodgers drama just dropped
0: so if you haven't heard yet and i'm gonna let caleb kind of do it because he's actually the one that told me to turn on my tv before we recorded the night but we are seeing some nfl some breaking news that happened on the monday night football game if nobody's aware between the new york jets and the buffalo bills and we're gonna dive right into it we've got a jam-packed show this evening so we're gonna dive right into it with just this breaking news and then we're gonna get into some game breakdowns. so caleb what did what did we just see
1: Yeah, so Aaron Rodgers, electric, came out the night holding the American flag on 9-11 right there in New York. Place blew the lid off of uh, the stadium there. First drive, about five plays in, takes a sack, ankle gets rolled up weird, uh, carted off, went to the, the medical tent and then got carted off back to the locker room. Currently, the Jets are listing him as questionable to return. The x-rays were negative, but Doc's fear, either a high ankle sprain, that's going to keep him out a couple weeks, or worse comes to worse, probably a uh, torn Achilles. So, we'll see.
0: Yeah, that's never a good thing. You never want to see that, especially in week one. I mean, how many plays was he on the field? Was it three? Four? I think
1: it was five. They got a first down, chains were moving, place was going nuts and then just came to a grinding halt.
0: Not even with single completion, man. That is such a bummer for his debut in the New York Giants, especially after that electric start, like you did say. I was seeing it all over Twitter and on the live feed. Man, the the stadium met life, looked like it was just rocking. He came out with the American flag on 9-11 yeah. in New York City between two New York teams. Ah, oh, man, you, you got to feel for the guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, it definitely took all of the wind out of the stadium for sure.
0: No, definitely. I mean, it's, 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 uh, man, it, it, it sucks. I honestly don't have any instant reactions. I immediately started watching some of the game as I was actually putting my kid down. So, you know, father of the year here, right? Now, right. But no, um, it, it looked like, it looks like, um, you know, Allen is, or Wilson, Kyle Wilson looks like he's, or Zach Wilson looks like he's playing. Pretty decent so far. Yeah,
1: yeah, he doesn't look terrible. I mean, he's definitely serviceable. Up story this so point far is Brees game.
0: Hall for sure.
1: Yeah, but Brees Hall looks like, I, I think uh, we tweeted out from the uh, Twitter account there, it looks like Brees Hall has Brees Hall starting in his fantasy lineup
0: tonight. No, I mean it's seriously. I mean th- there was a statistic there. At one point. Oh, and we got a Zach. We got a Wilson turnover. Never mind. Sorry for that. But yeah, we are watching the game live now. It is Monday Night Football, so we're gonna be able to. We're gonna give you. You know, if anything breaking happens in the middle of this game, we will definitely be giving you guys uh, some updates here, um, potentially if it's anything dramatic. Um, but. Like you were saying, Caleb, I had yeah, Bree saw at one point in the game he had two carries, and both of them were 20-plus yard carries. So it looks like that ACL is healing up really nicely.
1: Yeah, ACL and meniscus look great. 100-yard uh, speed could use a little bit of work as he got uh, tracked down there from behind.
0: Yeah, and honestly, the the usage from Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook hasn't looked nearly as sharp as Brees Hall, so it's a little bit of a surprise. I think both of you kind of thought that the start of the year, we were going to see a, a heavy dose of Dalvin Cook, and Brees Hall was going to be lo- used sparingly, if at all, for the first couple of weeks. So that is it's Week one.
1: It's week one. Let's man, see what it
0: happens. Is, it is week one, and we will get right into that. So just for everybody right now, we're going to give you a brief rundown of what how we're going to do the show this evening because this is kind of our new format, how we're going to be doing things for the season. Um, so we are releasing one episode per week. If we can get our engagement up, we may be enticed to do two shows per week, but as of this point in time, we're only going to to be doing one show per week. So we're going to go through all of Sunday's action. We're going to give you a brief rundown of all the major scores and of all the games and everything like that. And then we're going to get into some of our takes for that. We saw throughout the throughout week one of the NFL season. And then we're going to do a light preview of week two. So nothing super in depth. If you're looking for more in-depth coverage, please tune into our Twitter account where we'll be giving periodic updates, some hot takes. We're going to be giving our opinions on there. So, I mean, this show is going to be jam packed. It's going to be fast moving. So, Everybody strap in and get ready. Caleb, you ready? Let's do it. All right, sounds good. So we had a loaded slot and schedule of games on Sunday, um, September 10th, 2023, week one of the 2023 NFL season. Everything kind of kicked off on Thursday night when we got to watch the Kansas City Chiefs and the Detroit Lions. I'm going to go ahead and start things off here, Caleb. So the Kansas City Chiefs and the Detroit Lions – Detroit Lions ended up defeating the Kansas City Chiefs 21 to 20. It was a bit of a stunner as Patrick Mahomes came out a little looking a little flat. But the, the story of the game is definitely the lack of wide receiver depth for the Kansas City Chiefs. Kadarius Tony looked abysmal on Thursday night, and the Detroit Lions, man, they came out firing and they were ready and they punched they they bit them in the kneecaps. That's for sure.
1: Yep, you stole the words right out of my mouth there. The uh, the kneecap biters. Uh, but next up, uh, we had the Bengals at the Browns. This starts the 1 o'clock a, slot.
0: This is the 1 o'clock slot. In the games. 1
1: o'clock slot. Yep, in the 1 o'clock slot of games on Sunday. Uh, Bengals at the Browns in Cleveland. Uh, very wet and rainy game. Uh, pretty much poured the entire game. Uh, Browns ended up taking uh, the win 24-3 to against the Bengals, whose offense just never got going. Uh, the Browns' defense looked pretty good. Miles Garrett looked very healthy and uh, they look to continue this on to next week.
0: Man, Miles Garrett looked something special. But we also have, have we had more AFC North action going on in Baltimore as the Houston Texans came to town and faced off against the newly signed Lamar Jackson. The Ravens defeated the Te- Houston Texans 25-9, so it really wasn't too much of a competitive game, but there was a lot of sloppy play across the board in this game. Lamar Jackson didn't look exactly right. I think his QBR was one of the lowest games of his career, and he he really struggled on the field, but the Houston Texans weren't much better. The big story, though, is J.K. Dobbins. His Achilles tendon exploded, and it looks like he is out for the season, but it's still a big win for the Baltimore Ravens.
1: Yep, uh, moving on, uh, we have the Buccaneers at the Minnesota Vikings. Justin Jefferson right off of... Uh... His uh, new contract that he signed, um, looking to you know grab a fresh win, first contract back, show that he's the number one wide receiver in the NFL, uh, paired with Jordan Addison there. And uh, Baker Mayfield came out and stunned him. The Buccaneers took this one 20-17 in Minnesota.
0: And special shout-out to Baker Mayfield. He was getting a lot of hate from, on Twitter um, in the first quarter, but he pulled it together. Back to the A or the NFC South. Here we had a divisional matchup for start week one off. The Carolina Panthers went into Atlanta and played the Falcons, and the Falcons defeated the Carolina Panthers twenty-four to ten. This is the debut of Bryce Young versus Bijan Robinson. Both of them had some ups and some of them had some downs. Bryce Bryce Young struggled a little bit, but that's to be expected in your first first ever real season um, in season game action. Bijan Robinson, I kind of the story here is. Tyler Algier appears to be the lead back of in that backfield in Atlanta as he definitely made uh, took a, took advantage of every opportunity that he had. Bijan had his highlights, scored a touchdown, but it was a lot more active in the passing game than the rushing game. But overall, um, kind of a stunner. Desmond Ritter did just enough to um, Drake London. Not a zero catch there, I believe, on one target, so not a great debut for him. But overall, quality game.
1: Yep. Uh, next up, we had the Arizona Cardinals at the Washington Commanders, the ever-so-coveted matchup of Joshua Dobbs versus Sam Howell. Um, this Battle for the number much,
0: one overall pick.
1: I know. This uh, This game was pretty much dominated by uh, Washington. Um, I wouldn't say dominated, but they, they were only trailing in the third quarter. They hung 10 on Arizona in the fourth quarter there. Um, Arizona looks like they're tanking for that number one pick of Caleb Williams, and Sam Howe, Brian Robinson, and um, uh, Terry McLaurin look fantastic in this game.
0: Next up, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars going into Indianapolis for another divisional matchup where they faced off against the Colts and Anthony Richardson's debut. We had the Jacksonville Jaguars defeating the Indianapolis Colts, thirty-one to twenty-one. I think the storyline of this game was the way the Jaguars came out and Calvin Ridley um, and Trevor Lawrence looked sharp at the beginning, started to struggle a little bit down the stretch there. But um, Calvin Ridley, after not seeing a field in about two years, looked fantastic in this game, going well over 100 yards and a touchdown. And Anthony, Anthony Richardson we'll get into that a little bit later, but let's just say this. He had um, he had trouble seeing one side of the field. But overall, it was a pretty quality debut for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, but the Jacksonville Jaguars come away with the dub.
1: Yep. Next up, we have a little AFC-NFC matchup. Uh, Steelers at the—or, I, I apologize. The 49ers at the Steelers. Woof. Um, this game was completely dominated by the 49ers. Christian McCaffrey, Brennan Ayuk, Brock Purdy. The high-powered San Francisco offense was just way too much for the Steelers, plus a stingy 49ers defense. Uh, 49ers took this one 30-7. Only thing positive highlight for the Steelers was uh, TJ Watt on the defensive side played an excellent game.
0: Oh, my goodness. I I've just I know we're not supposed to. That was incredible. Three-sack game. He looked like an animal but moving right along here we had the Tennessee Titans coming into New Orleans to face the Saints led by the newly uh, new quarterback Derek Carr not a lot to write about in this one it was a low scoring affair as the Tennessee Titans lost to the New Orleans Saints 16 to 15 storyline of this game Honestly, this game was pretty ugly. There was a pretty um, shady quarterback play on both sides of the field, but Derek Carr went over 300 yards, made a couple plays, scored a couple touchdowns, and Derek Henry really was taken out of the Titans' game plan in the second half as they really kind of abandoned the run and put the game in Ryan Tannehill's, um, Ryan Tannehill's hands. Never a good strategy, and they fell flat and uh, led to their defeat.
1: Yep, and continuing on with poor quarterback play, we had the Raiders rolling into Mile High up there in Denver versus the Broncos. Uh, they squeaked this one out, seventeen to sixteen, with Jimmy G uh, being serviceable to get the dub. Um, Russell Wilson didn't look fantastic at all, and uh, Raiders waking up, you know, here on Monday as the AFC West divisional leaders.
0: And I have to say it it, it does look like Zach Wilson may be imploding a little bit right now.
1: It was it was a ticking time bomb. It was only yeah, a matter of time. It was a ticking time bomb for sure. That
0: mentorship really did wonders for him. Moving things right along here for a game that I was really hoping I was going to be able to talk about. The NFC reigning NFC champions, the Philadelphia Eagles, went into Foxborough and played the New England Patriots. On paper, this looked like it was going to be a blowout on one side, but actually ended up being a very very good game. The Philadelphia Eagles still squeaked out the win, coming away with a twenty-five to twenty victory over Bill Belichick's boys. Story of the game here, flat Eagles offense didn't look great. Jalen Hurts looked like he was lacking a little bit in the offensive side of the ball or the department. But Mac Jones really showed a lot of moxie and looked like he may be taking a good step in the right direction for the New England Patriots. He went over 300 yards, one of only five 300-yard passers this week. Went over 300 yards, made a couple plays, kept them in the game late. If it wasn't for a Kayshawn Butte drop um, at the very end of the game, we may be having it maybe a little bit closer than the score reflects. It may be um, a, a different victor as well. But overall, quality game.
1: Yep, and speaking of 300-yard passers, we move along to the Rams at the Seahawks. Uh, this one ended in a 30-13 to scoreline, Rams on top. Uh, Matthew Stafford looked all the way back. High-powered offense, and uh, the highlight of the day was uh, their new rookie wide receiver. And I'm gonna butcher his name, I always do. It's Puka Naku. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Looks very impressive.
0: He was thrown to, to Puka Aku and Tutu Atwell. So yep, yep. <laughs> that was um, a little strange. Very, very a little strange. Two new, two new names, two new faces in that LA wide receiving core. My, the story of the day, and probably our MVP candidate at, as of this moment right now, the Miami Dolphins and Tua, uh, Tua Tengavaloa went into the LA Chargers Stadium and ended up beating them 36-34, to 34, which may end up being the game of the day. The main storyline, without any shadow of a doubt, was Tua. He went absolutely ballistic, throwing for over 466 yards. Tyree Kill won over 200 yards receiving. Overall, very quality game. Chargers didn't have an answer for him. Actually, the Chargers did have an answer. It went back and forth for the majority of the game. Justin Herbert looked fine, I guess. Had through for about 200 yards. Made some plays. Austin Eckler had got his as well. But overall quality game, really exciting matchup. Watch this one from start to finish.
1: Yep, and this is where the uh, the steamrolls start. Uh, the NFC rivalry, Packers at the Bears. Packers took it home 38-20 in Chicago. Uh, Bears really never got going in this one Jordan Love looked eccentric He looked really really good Looked like the uh, Packers QB Of the future here Threw for 245 yards, 3 touchdowns, no interceptions Where Justin Fields Who everybody thought was going to step up this year Only had 216 yards 1 touchdown and an interception Aaron Jones running all over the field Bears never had a shot
0: yeah, that one was actually shocking. I do want to say too, it does look like Jordan Love is they're really not allowing him to use the utilize the full playbook at this point. still has the training wheels on to an extent. But moving right along here to another divisional matchup. we had quite a few divisional matchups in this uh, first week of the season. The Dallas Cowboys went into the MetLife Stadium to face the New York Giants. I guess this was a game. Um, it, the final score, Dallas came away with the W40 to nothing. The New York Giants had zero answers for Micah Parsons, who looks like the greatest defensive player in the league right now. They just really never had a shot. The Dallas offense really didn't really need to do much in this game because the defense was pretty much doing it all. So, a really, kind of a boring Sunday night game. Turned it off on half. Turned it off at halftime. Game was already over at that point.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thank God this was a Sunday night game on late night television because I don't know if they could show that on uh, PG rated.
0: No, it was a murder. murder. That's how
1: bad the Cowboys spanked the Giants.
0: It was murder. Yeah. And the last game of the evening is actually underway right now. Getting ready to go into halftime, we had the Buffalo Bills coming into MetLife Stadium again for the Monday night showdown between the Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets. So far right now, as of halftime, it is 10 to 10-3. looks like Buffalo is going to be putting some additional points on the board right here. But without any shadow of a doubt, regardless of outcome of this game, the storyline is going to be Aaron Rodgers and that, that busted-up ankle. Never like to see it. A real bummer, really bummer. I feel bad for gangrene in New York up there. They had so much enthusiasm coming into the season. So it's really disappointing to see.
1: Yep. All in all, though, uh, very exciting week one. We have a ton to talk about um, some of the, our takeaways, biggest winners, some losers, and uh, a preview of what's to come in week two.
0: And you know, it really kills me because I really would like to go through every single one of these games because I do believe I have a take on almost every single one of these matchups that we saw. A lot of exciting action, a lot of bad action too, a lot of sloppy football, and we may be getting into that a little bit more when we get into our points here, but we're going to try to touch on as much as we possibly can in tonight's episode. So Caleb, you ready to go ahead and get into it?
1: Yep. Yep. A lot to talk about.
0: All right, cool. So let's get into, let's get into our Sunday takeaway segment here. We're going to look at the top three takeaways from Sunday. Caleb, do you want to lead us off here?
1: Yep. So you, you kind of hinted at it earlier. I think it's the Tua and Tyreek show. Um, Tyreek looks like he is putting up some MVP quality numbers already. As long as Tua can keep slinging the ball out who which he looked, like you said, he looked pretty solid. There was a couple mistakes. Uh, I believe he had an interception.
0: Um, he had a couple dropped interceptions A couple as well. dropped
1: interceptions. My bad, yes. Dropped he did have an interception,
0: but he also had a couple that should have been picked.
1: And man, That, that step-up throw where he ran, he, he climbs the ladder through the pocket, runs up, and like on the run throws a 40-yard dime to Tyreek, was just like, hurl it out there as far as I can throw it, and I know Tyreek's going to catch up to it at some point, and they just look like they're on the same page. As well as, the, this was an offense without even Devin A-chain. He was out of the game. You add his 4-3 speed in. Uh, speed, 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 and more speed. Slot. Yeah. They, they are a team of Indy cars and Formula 1 cars.
0: You know what? And I agree with you on that. My, my only concern, I have two things, and they both hinge around Tua. One, his health. The entire Miami Dolphins offense and their entire season is dependent on Tua's health. He's never been able to make it through an NFL season thus far without getting banged up. The concussions are a big concern. If he can stay healthy, the Miami Dolphins are primed to make a deep playoff run. They look like, at this point, they look like the class of the AFC East. Secondly, I want to see if Tua can put it together for a complete season not related to his injury concerns. Last year, we saw a significant drop off in his play after about week eight. He had some massive games at the beginning of the season last year. Tua Tengabailoa did. I hope I'm not butch- butchering that name. But he had some massive games to start off this beginning of the year, but he really fell off at the end of the year. But my first yeah, take. I, and that, I was going
1: to say, yeah, I think that the Tua thing too was just, I, I don't think he fully recovered from that first major concussion he had at the beginning of the season last year. No, when you actually As, go back
0: and watch it, it looks almost DeMar Hamlin-like.
1: Yeah, it, it was, speaking of which, it happened on the same field, which is kind of eerie, mm-hmm. almost Paul. Yeah, Pacor Stadium might be a little uh, cursed at this point in time, but uh, he looks healthy, he looks alert. I mean, we'll see if he continues and stays healthy for the remainder of the season, but that's a high-charge power offense right now.
0: No, I couldn't agree with you anymore. They look fantastic with Jalen Waddle and all those guys they have there on offense. It's uh, when Devin A. Shane comes back, man. Oh, that's gonna be scary. But my my big my first takeaway from week one is that like I said, we we had some quality games. I think Dolphins Chargers was fantastic. I think Eagles Patriots was really good as well. Both those teams came in. They looked like they were in midseason form. But overall, my consensus was just the sloppiness and the slow start. For a lot of these NFL offenses, I think the story starts with the Kansas City Chiefs, who just didn't look like the same offense as last year. Pat Mahomes looked like he was back there throwing to a bunch of nobodies. It, it kind of makes me think that you know Juju Smith-Schuster may have been a little bit more important to that offense that we really gave him credit for. But Kadarius Tony and those guys, they just really didn't—they uh, really didn't measure up, um, and it kind of just carried on into the weekend too. the slow starts on offense, the sloppy play Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow. I don't know what was going on with him this weekend. I mean, he just didn't look right. He didn't look healthy after signing the massive five-year, $277 million contract, making him the highest played paid player in NFL history. Not the way that you want to start the season after signing that deal. And just kind of, um, and even and carried on with the Baltimore Ravens. They just didn't look right. I mean, and you can go down the list of teams that didn't look right. The Tennessee Titans didn't look right. The Saints didn't look like what we'd expected them to be. The New York Giants really didn't look like it. And even Justin Fields with the Chicago Bears, really a lot of enthusiasm coming into this season, and he really just fell short. Um, the one thing that I did want to uh, I did want to mention was Anthony Richardson. There was a there was a really popular um, a really popular graphic going around on Twitter on Saturday, and while he did his box score does look great, he literally completed every single one of his passes either behind the line of scrimmage or to the right side of the field. He didn't complete a single pass to the left side of the field, so. I'm looking at next week. I'm looking to see uh, whoever they play or who's next on their schedule. I'm looking to see them really kind of put a free safety over on that right side of the field and try to force them to throw left. But overall, I just thought it was a really sloppy week one, which has kind of become the norm here recently in NFL circles. Caleb, do you have any comments on that?
1: Yeah, I think it's mainly um, we lose that week of preseason where historically that fourth week is when cuts have already been made. Um for NFL squads most of the time, majority of the cuts anyway. I think we really get to start to see, you know, starters play for a quarter, sometimes a half leading into the first week of the NFL season. You cut that off, and then the third game of the uh, preseason turns into more of a final cut tryout day for the fringe players, for special teams and third stringers. Um, so starters kind of get put on a back seat, and what I think we've seen is it's just – carried over into a week one of – it's almost like a week one preseason hangover for some of these squads, week especially one. the Bengals because they didn't play any of their starters all of the preseason.
0: Well, week week one really feels like almost like – historically in the past, week three of the preseason is always kind of that dress rehearsal for teams. Week one feels like an expanded week three of the preseason to me. It's almost like a preseason already. Some of these teams are just figuring themselves out Feeling like what it, a lot of these offensive units need time to gel. The defenses look great across the league. I think a lot of them look like they are in uh, mid-season form already. The Cincinnati Bengals look like they have an elite-level defense this year. They were fantastic. Um, the Tennessee Titans had a great defense. San Francisco, my goodness, and Philadelphia—they all made some plays just sloppy all the way around. I mean, it was still entertaining. Don't get me wrong. I'm happy that football is back. It was just a little disappointing to see some of these teams come out so flat.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, a big shocker to me was the Justin Fields not performing up there in the Bears. and Especially coming off of how good of a season he had last year and the expectations in the bar was set so high. And then he just fell flat. And then, which brings me to my next point, Jordan Love's ceiling was so low, and no one really knew what to expect. And then he just ended up balling out and looks like Green Bay's future. Now, granted, it is only week one. Teams are going to get a lot of field on this kid. But as of right now, he I don't even think he had a pick.
0: No, he looked the part for sure. He was definitely efficient. Don't want to stress or undersell the loss of Christian Watson that they have there in the backfield. He didn't even, or in the in the wide receiver core, he didn't even play. Who was he was expected to be their number one wide receiver? They really did. I mean, he looked. Good, very good, but um, I, when I was watching this game, I kept thinking to myself that it just seems like they haven't really given him the keys to the offense thus far. It really seemed like they were kind of watering it down, just letting him kind of ease his way into the season overall. But overall, really good start for Jordan Love, and my surprise team of the year started off
1: strong. Yours did. Yours did, for sure.
0: And, you know, that kind of leads me into starting, speaking of strong finishes or strong starts, my next take is Micah Parsons is probably the best defensive player in the on the planet right now. If you look at the box, store, box score, it wasn't the best box score for him in terms of the scope of the league. He did have multiple sacks this game, but really what's not going to show up in the box score is him freeing things up for other pass rushers on that defensive line there in Dallas. He opened things up for Terrence Armstrong, who's kind of a newcomer in Dallas. Not, not really, but it it really is taking on a larger role in the Dallas defense. And then, you know, Obviously, I mean they just have a slew of pass rushers there, and he was just his presence alone taking on double and triple teams. I mean it just really opened things up, and the New York Giants just didn't really have a shot. So, I mean, I think at this point he's definitely the front runner to be the defensive MVP of the league. He hasn't won it yet, but everybody knows he's going to win multiple throughout his career. And he started this season off the right way.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I can't deny that he's a great player right now. He's definitely going to be in talks for the defensive player of the year award. I think it's between three, maybe four players right now. And
0: They're all pass rushers.
1: He, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I think it's Car- Parsons, TJ Watt, um, Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa. I, think yeah, those I are agree. The Nick,
0: right Nick Bosa now. was a little quiet there. The dolphins definitely were able to, uh, were able to slow him down there. Him and Khalil Mack were held without a sack this week. So, yep. um, I'm, I'm hoping for a rebound from that Chargers defense, but you know, they still made some plays. JC Jackson looked like he was back to form. He had a pick. He played decent, but he also made like two or three really just boneheaded plays today. So kind of just adding salt to the wound of them paying him so much money to be that elite shutdown cornerback there in LA. But my final takeaway and my biggest um or actually it's your turn, Caleb. Go ahead.
1: Nope. Uh yeah, go for it, man. You uh you were already teeing it up there, so no, a-
0: it, it kind of goes hand in hand with number one, but the biggest takeaway that I found peculiar um, was quarterbacks that got paid this offseason, none of them really produced in week one. If you really look at look up and down, maybe one or two slipped through, but Joe Burrow got paid on Thursday, came out flat. Lamar Jackson got paid earlier this offseason, came out flat. You look down at Jalen Hurts, also got paid this offseason. He didn't look right. I mean, he didn't even pass. He didn't pass for over 200 yards. I know they came away with the win, but it wasn't. It, large part was because of that Eagles defense. And then you even look at guys like um, Derek Carr. He got paid a sizable amount of money this offseason. Didn't get. Didn't really make the strides I thought. And even Justin Herbert didn't look like the same explosive Justin Herbert that we're used to. So I just think that, that was that was interesting to me that a lot of these quarterbacks that are getting these you know quarter billion dollar deals none of them really played and that doesn't even mention kyler murray who who didn't play at all yesterday due to injury so i just thought that was interesting um it might, i don't know if there's any kind of correlation there but hope not but i just thought it was i thought it was pretty interesting
1: yeah yeah it is weird that all of them did have a slow start uh another quarterback that got paid in the offseason was uh jimmy g yeah, which brings right, yeah. me to my next point I didn't think I'd be saying this on week one, but Jimmy G and the uh, Las Vegas Raiders are in first place in the AFC West.
0: Yeah, that's true. Everybody else there lost.
1: <laughs> yeah. with uh, if well, Let me read you off a stat line because it's insane. Jimmy G threw, if I told you the Raiders won and Jimmy G threw 200 yards total and Josh Jacobs had 48 rushing yards total, would you think they won?
0: No, you definitely would not.
1: But, Yep. He went twenty for twenty-six, two tuds and an interception. And then uh, Josh Jacobs, nineteen attempts for forty-eight yards, definitely uh, saddled on that Raiders defense and playing in Mile High against a terrible Russell Wilson and the Broncos. You know, yeah, there. Let's ride.
0: Russell Wilson's not great. You know, I would say you know there's something wrong with him, but there were it looked like there was something wrong with over half the teams this week. It, it just really was. I, I can't stress it was just a sloppy week of football.
1: Yep, so I think we'll see a better week two quality-wise across the board. Um, But it was weird. You and I were talking uh, before the game started on Sunday. You're like, what what money lines do you like? Where where, where are you going with money? It's like, man, I I really don't like betting on the NFL because 95% of games are decided within 10 points. And then we went and saw like four or five blowouts this week. Let's see, San Francisco won thirty seven. The Rams won thirty to thirteen. Dallas creams New York Giants forty to nothing. Um, and then Green Bay won 20. So
0: Yeah, six games, seven seven games were above that spread, above that ten point range. Yeah, that you Baltimore
1: twenty five nine, so Atlanta twenty four to ten against Carolina. Yeah. Now it a is a little games. bit
0: skewered because a lot of those blowouts we saw them kind of throwing in, you know, at the very end, they were just, you know. It just seemed like the defenses were picking up defensive touchdowns and everything towards the end. It really just kind of skewered the score even more. Even some of these blowouts weren't truly blowouts. Green Bay, Chicago, that was a tough fight, fought game all the way down to the wire. I mean, Cincinnati, Cleveland, it was, you know, it was a 10 point game leading in deep into the fourth quarter. Even Baltimore was having trouble putting away the Texans. So, I mean, even some of these big scored games were a little bit closer than the box score would reflect.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think week two, just putting this to bed almost, is we saw such sloppy play in week one, which reflected in these large spreads. Week two, I doubt there will be this many blowouts across the board.
0: No, historically, I was looking back through scores from last year's week one to week two, and it really does seem like that that first week of the season is kind of a test run and teams really start to pick it up. I'm looking at, you know, teams like Cincinnati. They've got to pick it up. I mean, they're a Super Bowl favorite. They've got to be pick, they've got to pick it up. I mean, the Giants, they were came into the season with a ton of optimism. Same with Chicago. Came in with a ton of optimism. You Really can't afford these slow starts. So I, I'm intrigued to see where the offenses go next week.
1: Yep. Uh likewise. I think I think it all gets cleaned up.
0: Well, you know, we spent we just spent the last like 10 minutes talking about our biggest winners from Sunday. Unfortunately, there's another there's another side to that coin, and there's always some losers, and there were some major losers. So, Caleb, give me one loser this week that you really just really stuck out to you.
1: Yeah, I'm going with the big black guy, the the low-hanging fruit here in the Giants. Uh, they went out, paid Daniel Jones, got a contract done with Saquon, uh, brought on some wide receiver help. They're the talk of the town. Coach of the, I think he won Coach of the Year too, didn't he? Brian
0: Dable did, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, all one coach of the year, uh, and then come out week one at home and get blown out forty to nothing by an in conference rival in the Cowboys. I,
0: mean, I think one of the big storylines coming out of New York right now is just. And you know what, I, I do want to do a special note here because this kind of goes into I did have a special note that I wrote down in my loser section, because I don't ever want to add somebody that, you know, gets injured throughout the season to be a loser, because that's just really unfortunate. And kind of we all lose by them not being on the field. But Andrew Thomas, I thought, you know, he was a he's a great player when he's on the field. He's a solid tackle when he's on the field, got paid this offseason, but he's always struggled to stay healthy throughout his career so far. Got injured and banged up again in this Giants game and really didn't look great when he was on the field. So you hate to see that. Um, And that kind of leads me into like the other aspect of my special point. J.K. Dobbins tore his Achilles tendon this week and this weekend as well, ending his season already. He's missed 64% of the games that he potentially could have played in in that four-year span. Man, you just hate to see it. You really do. It's a violent game. It's fast. It's hard hitting, and some guys I just you never want to say that they're built. They're just not built to play football. But I just don't think J.K. Dobbins was built to play football, man. Like I mean, this is just too many injuries, too many soft tissue injuries, muscle tears, always banged up. I mean, we're talking about now about he's been this is his fourth season. Majority of three of his four seasons, he hasn't been able to finish the year.
1: Yep, and so that actually leads me into my my second loser of the week is. Just the Ravens in general had five injuries in that win to Houston. Um, They obviously lost J.K. Dobbins, it sounds like, as well. Uh, They lost Marcus Williams uh, with a pec injury. They haven't said he's going to be out for the season. Um, I think that's contingent on them making the playoffs and him maybe returning for a playoff run. And then they lost uh, Ronnie Stanley and Tyler Linderbaum. Uh, both suffered sprains. So Yeah,
0: you, you never like to see it and that's also not even factoring in the fact that Mark Andrews didn't even play in this game got beat, banged up late in the week last week uh, during practices. Yep.
1: So Ravens just dealing with a bunch of injuries right now and then I'll just finish it out with since we already hammered on two of my my losers is my third biggest loser was the Bengals.
0: Yeah, that was my and number 1.
1: It's, yeah, it's it's pretty obvious. I'll let you take it away. Then on yours cuz I think we're on the same page with it.
0: No, I mean, I just I don't know if there's if you if you're on Twitter at all, it's been discussed pretty much all throughout the day. Super Bowl favorite Cincinnati Bengals come out and just look absolutely atrocious. I do want to say I think that there's there is a narrative going on around that, you know, they just came out flat or whatever it was. There's more to it than just them coming out flat. For starters, the weather wasn't great. I mean, it was it was raining and drizzling all day long. And Deshaun Watson did not look good. I mean, he was not good at all. He was um, one hopping balls all day long. I think his box score, his if you look at his numbers in the box score for fantasy purposes, they're a little bit skewered um, It and makes him look like he played a lot better than he did. He did not. So I, I really do attribute a a lot of that to the weather. It wasn't great. Balls were slipping out of hands all over the field. But the other part is is and I I'm, and I'm interested to hear your take on this one Caleb. I just never got the sense that Joe Burrow looked healthy on that strained calf. I mean, he's been out for 6 weeks now. And this is the six this would have been the sixth week that he's been out of football. Just came back to practice practice last Tuesday. He just looked he just didn't look right. Um and there was one last point that I want to talk to you about, but I want to get your take on Burrow and just kind of the quarterback play first.
1: Yeah, quarterback play. I think Burrow is just fine. Um, what's your second point, real quick? Because I don't want to double dip this as well.
0: Um, it, it's about T Higgins.
1: Okay, so okay, let me get into my first point there. Um, Burrow on the Burrow situation. I think his leg is a okay. Uh, the timing of the whole offense was completely off. Obviously, on on Sunday. This is due to, A, it was a monsoon. It's always hard to handle the ball, throw the ball. He had a glove off. He had a glove on. He's wiping it in the towel. Um, You know, all the concerns about his small hands, yada, yada, yada. All of these are factors that contribute into a slow start for a Bengals offense where he hasn't played yet this season, and then his first snaps are with a ball that is drenched in water.
0: And historically, Zach Taylor teams come out slow as well.
1: Correct, and he's never won against the Browns. Um, Moving on after that, if you look at the center, he doesn't get the snap back to Burrow. He's not firing it. He's slow-pitching, lobbing it. to Watch all of the snaps. Just go back and look at them in your own time. We'll post post some to the Twitter account for examples. Um, The ball is just being lobbed back. By the time Burrow gets it, it's like almost a full second after the snap has occurred, before the ball is in Burrow's hands, before he can take his drop back, there were receivers open all day long. Burrow just couldn't hit them because he didn't have the ball in his hands on his third, on his fifth, on his seventh step drop to fire the ball out to hit him. Hmm.
0: You brought that point up yesterday when we were talking about it. It did look like it was off. And if you actually go to Twitter and you type in or, I mean, you, you can just go into Twitter and type in Ted Karras snaps and Bengals game. And, I mean, it's pretty evident that, it, that just the timing wasn't there. Do you – now, Caleb, in your opinion, is this more so attributed to just like lack of reps together or do you think there's something uh, just, I mean, something off? Ted Karras is usually a pretty solid center for the Cincinnati Bengals, so it was kind of surprising to see him come out and look a little lackluster.
1: I think they were so ill-prepared for the amount of rain that came down in Cleveland on a wet grass field that the balls got muddy, and they didn't have the right equipment. Like a special glove that Burrow put on, I don't think they had one that could fit uh, Ted Karras' hand to fire the ball back, and it was just slipping out of his hand all day.
0: No, I, I couldn't agree with you anymore. I mean, it just it looked peculiar and it just it looked strange. It was unBengals like. And I mean, I, this is an NFL podcast, not just a Bengals podcast and we've stated it multiple times before. We are Bengals fans, so we are going to give them a little bit more love than than usual, but and but it is a massive storyline. I think it was probably one of the biggest talked about storylines um today all throughout the day were just the Bengals struggles, but I kind of want to just mention about T Higgins. Do you have any comments on T Higgins?
1: Zero catches, zero uh, yards.
0: Um, And the reason why I put him... Targeted
1: on some deep balls, so...
0: The reason why I put him down on my list is that I just wasn't seeing the same effort that I usually see from T Higgins. He's a warrior when it comes to those jump balls going out there and just fighting to, to go up and get and bring down these difficult, these, these passes that are kind of, it's his specialty. It's his calling card. I just didn't see it. It looked like it seemed like he was giving up on routes. He was starting to, you know, start to jog before the, before the the route really crested and the ball was even there. And so then he was playing catch up. I just didn't see it. And then we, it's very public knowledge that the the contract situation is way off there in Cincinnati between T Higgins. Higgins and the Bengals I don't I wasn't sure if this was anything to do with any kind of bitter bitterness over a contract situation and then you also got to factor in the Joe Burrow. I mean, he watched his his same draft class partner just get the biggest contract in NFL history. I don't know if there was just a little bit of a bitter attitude there. Um, and then you know we've you know Friday Friday afternoon we started seeing some reports come out that he's not even in the Bengals' plans and they haven't even really even started contract talks yet. So I wasn't sure if you had any takes on that. If you think there's any kind of validity to that whatsoever.
1: Um, from what I've heard is the locker room is really sound. So I think this is just rumblings after a really tough week one, honestly. That makes uh, sense. I, I think they're going to bounce back.
0: Yeah, I think they'll bounce back. And I mean, the Ravens are pretty beat up, which seems like it's a, a reoccurring narrative there. Um, one of the other losers that I had on my list was I had the Kansas City Chiefs. I really thought that the Chiefs, I was expecting a lot more, especially coming out and they're hanging the banner for him that night. And, I mean, it's supposed to be a special night kicking off the NFL season to come out looking that flat, to have Kadarius Tony look the way that he did, the other guys just not stepping up and making plays. I just was really disappointed with him. Mahomes, I thought, you know, I think his box score doesn't reflect it, but if, you would, uh, if he didn't have all the drops that his receivers were giving him, I think it would have looked a lot different.
1: Yeah, the the receivers cost him a lot of yards, not only in the actual game, but also fantasy points for you fantasy owners out there. Uh, I think this will get cleaned up here, just kind of like the Bengals offense. Just there was a lot of issues with Jamar Chase and chirping that he had a ton of drops in the preseason coming in a couple years back, and then you know after the rumblings in the media and everything, you saw the next couple weeks where he didn't even drop a ball. So. I think Kadarius Tony's not going to drop anything for the the next coming weeks.
0: You hope not, or else he's probably going to be looking for another team. So yeah, he you know.
1: he might be putting on a Footlocker jersey if uh, he keeps this up.
0: You never know. And the way that he's been chirping all over all over Twitter and all over social media, you know, he's probably he needs to probably lay low for a little bit because it's it's not looking so great for him. The other losers that I had on my on my list, Caleb, and I'll be I'll be quick here because you already touched on them. The New York Giants were one, but we already touched on them. I thought they just came out looking super flat. They just looked ill-prepared, a lot like the Bengals in a way. They just really were lacking. And then my other loser were the Chicago Bears, who came into the season with just so much fanfare, so much hype. Justin Fields entering his third season after coming off an electric second year looked great. My concerns were just still with the passing today. I mean, we we saw it with the legs and that's not a question. We know he's always going to make plays with his legs. Justin Fields can run. That's what he does. The question this year was, and if he's going to be deemed as a franchise-level guy, is the passing going to be there? And I think after the first week, we saw that there it wasn't there. He's got a revamped uh, receiving core there darnell mooney slides into the number two receiving spot and you know dj Moore slides into that number one spot which has the makings of a pretty decent wide receiver core i just really was bummed to see the the quality of play from the from the pocket and the passing game with justin fields it was really disheartening
1: yeah i 100 percent agree with you there and the scary thing for bears fans is if this starts going south this season i think justin fields might get benched they have two number one draft picks in this upcoming draft. Don't sleep on them maybe tanking to get two top ten picks, trade up, and get a Caleb Williams.
0: No, I can definitely see it. And then, we'll man, I can't wait to get into draft season. I, I know the season just started, and I'm, I'm excited yeah, that calm the season down there. is here. Easy, man, easy. Man, this Let's NFL enjoy draft, it. it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. I can't wait. And don't worry, I'm not going to get into it. But it is, I cannot wait. It's going to be special. Speaking but I mean, the things we,
1: we're looking forward to, though.
0: No, that's definitely things we're looking forward to. And, you know, football is a 365-day sport. It is year-round. So it will always be exciting to see it. But, you know, that kind of completes our week one assessment. We kind of looked at, touched on every single one of these teams, kind of gave our thoughts, our opinions. Caleb, do you have any final words before we kind of move on to week two?
1: Last note probably the biggest winner of the weekend was Chris Jones for the chiefs. Oh, that yeah. chiefs Thursday night game was so abysmal that they basically brought him in and said, all right, what do you want? All right, we'll see you Monday,
0: which I actually did. I didn't want to mention. I did actually have in kind of my, my ending and I want to mention it before Detroit fans come after us. The Detroit lions look legit. And you got to remember that Jamison Williams is still suspended from those gambling. those uh, the gambling charges that he had. Um, so, I mean, they're not even at full strength yet, but they look great. They still didn't even look like they unlocked Jameer Gibbs' full potential. They looked like they had a training wheels on him as yeah, well. He's so, just
1: now starting to get going, and you're going to see him be electric the second half of the season.
0: Yeah, I don't think they're going to be rolling with David Montgomery every single week.
1: So hey, Cincinnati kid.
0: Cincinnati kid, David Montgomery. So, I mean, yeah, it, it, I do want to give them props. They, they did come in and beat the defending Super Bowl champs on week one, so that was really impressive to see. Week two. Caleb, you have any thoughts? We were going to go down. Come of our three things that we're going to be looking for in next week's Week 2 matchup. And I am thrilled for Week 2. It can't get here soon enough, even though we're still actively watching a Week 1 game.
1: Yeah, half a Week 1 game. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Um, My first thing that I'm looking forward to this week is will Puka Naku put up the similar numbers that he did in Week 1? Is the Rams a wide receiver slot guy's dream offense just to go to and he's just a system wide receiver taking the place of a cooper cup that is just fantastic for these guys or will we see him regress back to you know his rookie numbers where he's a late round draft pick um not projected to do a whole lot this year and uh yeah i'm really excited to see just the question mark by his name
0: and I mean, and not to take away from them, but they did that against the Seattle Seahawks too, who have a pretty nice secondary back there. So that just makes it even more impressive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The The Seahawks defense is pretty stout. Um, they are far from the Legion of Boom days, but they still get after it up there.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, so it was, it was surprising to see. I'm also curious just to touch on that game a little bit more or the, the, the LA Rams a little bit more. I am very curious to see how this running back room plays out because Kyron Williams looked like a force back there, and Cam Akers looked, well, he looked like the Cam Akers we've come to to expect and know. But I, I am curious to see how that's going to play out. Matthew Stafford didn't look bad either. I mean, he just, he didn't have great great numbers when it when it's all said and done, but
1: yeah, I, sh- I guess I should have listed this first one as: Will the Rams' offense still be as explosive, both in the running game and the passing game, without their Pro Bowl wide receiver Cooper Cup.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I'm. I'm. I mean, i am mean, i can not wait to see how. It, I can't wait to see how it shakes out there in L.A.
1: Yep. What? Uh, what are you looking for here?
0: Um, so, my biggest storyline, man, I hate the New England Patriots. I really i have always hated the New England Patriots, but I really want to see if we can see some continued sets from Mac Jones out there. They didn't really get the running game going against that stout Eagles front. So, it came down to Mac Jones and, you know, kind of was in, in the ball was in his court there. And I really thought he delivered. And I'm really curious to see if he can keep going. If anyone remembers in 2020 or 2021, his rookie season, he looked solid. He wasn't great, but he looked like a rookie quarterback, but he looked good. Last year, he was atrocious. His character came into question. His playmaking came into question. His decision-making came into question. He just didn't look like the same guy. He looked like a shallow, um, hollow husk of himself. But this year, he started out strong. So, I mean... I don't know if he's going to be able to bring that energy every single week, but, man, I'm definitely here to watch and find out. And next week they're going against the Miami Dolphins. I can't wait, man.
1: Yeah, that that one could be a barn burner, especially a divisional rival. Seems like the Dolphins always get the best of the Patriots. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if uh, the Patriots' defense, which is pretty solid, can slow the Dolphins' offense, which is high-powered, down, and if Mac Jones, like you said, can keep up and bring that same energy into week two.
0: Well, I mean, and and when you actually go back and you look at the Chargers game last week of playing the Dolphins, the Chargers were able to run against the Dolphins. They almost had two guys go over 100 yards. Joshua Kelly heading into the game with 91 yards, and Austin Eckler went well over 100 in this game. So their defense can be had on the ground there in Miami. So that may end up coming back to bite them later in the season. Regardless, it is only one week, but you never know. It um, It could be something that we see reoccurring coming up here.
1: Yep. Um, So my week two preview look in here, uh, something that I'm, I guess, interested to see the development of is the Ravens' backfield. A lot of question marks now that uh, Dobbins is out. Is it going to be all aboard the Gus bus for Gus Edwards? Or is uh, Justice Hill going to start getting some carries? I mean, he did grab it. Let's see. Uh, Let's see. He had eight attempts. For nine yards, but two touchdowns. Uh, Edwards had eight attempts for thirty-two yards, no touchdowns, and then uh, Zay Flowers out of the slot had a couple uh, rushes for nine yards. So,
0: to no, be very interesting I mean, to see
1: who's going to take the rock there in Baltimore.
0: And I do want to address this one thing. I've been, there's a you hear a lot of rumblings of guys that are out there, veteran running backs like Kareem Hunt or Leonard Fournette. if, If one of those guys, they do kick the tires on one of those guys, it's going to be mostly a depth piece. I do know for a fact that the Baltimore franchise, Baltimore Ravens, they love Gus Edwards. They really do. They view him as a viable starting option out of that backfield. So they're not afraid to give him the rock. They've done it a couple times throughout his career. And I think last year with J.K. Dobbins, if if Edwards was healthy coming off of his own ACL tear, I think we would have definitely have seen a little bit more of him. Um, I I think we would have seen a lot more of him last year as a feature back in Baltimore. But, I mean, I think it's going to mostly be Gus Edwards with Justice Hill spilling him. Once again, Justice Hill is a Ravens guy as well. I mean, he's, um, you know, he's, they drafted him. He came in from Oklahoma State there. So, I think they feel comfortable with the backs they have. I'm just curious to see if they add a depth piece.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there is just a ton of question marks. Uh, don't ever count out Frank Gore. I mean, the man living legend. He's still got some some miles on those legs.
0: Man, I really hope so. That would be amazing if, you know, forty one year old Frank Gore came out of retirement to help him out. That would be awesome. Hey,
1: Brady did it, right?
0: Yeah, you never know. It could it could potentially happen. And that was another thing. It was actually I did have in my notes here. Tom Brady looks like he misses he missed being out on that field. And he actually the way he ran out on that field or in the New England celebration, he looked like he could still play. He looked pretty athletic oh, coming okay. out there still.
1: I, I liked our tweet from our Twitter account. It was the uh the SpongeBob. How many times do we have to teach you this lesson, old man? <laughs>
0: He just can't stay off the field, man. Tom Brady wants to play. Let the man, he's the goat. Let him do what he wants to do.
1: I think he should be a uh, a weekly streaker through uh, a random NFL game just, just to hype the crowd up.
0: Just to hype the crowd up and remember or to remind everybody that he's still there. So and You
1: never know yeah. which game he's going to show up at. It's just some random game.
0: No, you never do. It's gonna that would be that would be beyond entertaining, and that would definitely boost ratings. Because the NFL is all about ratings, so you know what? Do it NFL. Get Tom Brady to streak. We're all there for it. Plus, he's not too bad looking either.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's sponsored by Calvin Klein. Just throw a pair of those on him. Send him on his way.
0: Walking billboard. There you go. Walking billboard. But, but getting back to week two, something that I'm really excited to look at is I'm just excited to see more involvement from rookie rookie playmakers and just rookie players in general. The rookie quarterbacks really started off slow. I think, honestly, the best one is I, I, I kind of have to eat crow a little bit here is Anthony Richardson kind of looked the best out of him. I mean, he was making plays with his legs. He was making plays with his arms, albeit only to one side of the field, but he was making some plays.
1: He got beat up a little bit as well. Um, yeah, but here. To your point, though, I think the uh, the best rookies right now are the wide receiver class. I think this wide receiver class looks fantastic.
0: Yeah, they do look good. Zay Flowers it kind of starts, uh, kind of starts and ends with Zay Flowers. He looked special.
1: Well, and then uh, Puka can't forget about Puka.
0: Yeah, cannot forget about Puka. We will watch Puka's career with anticipation and eagerness for sure. But I mean, I even, I'm curious to see how the Atlanta Falcons are, their backfield is going to shake out as well. I think everybody thought that, you know, you invest a top 10 pick into a running back like Bijan Robinson, you're going to come out and you're going to get, you're going to see him getting the ball 30 times a game. It still might be the case. It's just not in the way that we anticipated. It's very evident that Tyler Algier is still very much a part of that backfield there, so if you if you're a fantasy player and you pay attention whatsoever to any kind of national media or outlets uh, that cover fantasy this was one of the fears going into the season was that Tyler Algier was going to still kind of maintain a a little bit of a, a first uh, a first and second down role um an obvious rushing posi- uh, obvious rushing um positions so i mean it definitely it's going to be interesting to see how that one plays out and then like i said the rookie quarterbacks i'm really curious to see if CJ Stroud can kind of take another step forward and grow, and same with Bryce Young.
1: Yeah, um, you and I have stated multiple times in previous podcasts that we've had is that we just didn't feel confident, did not feel confident in this rookie QB class, and I think we were a little bit confirmed there in week one if Anthony Richardson's performance there at Indy was the best that we saw. I really hope that we have more to look forward to this season, but my gut is telling me – It's just going to be underwhelming from the the rookie QBs.
0: Yeah, I don't really see any of them really standing out this year. I just think it's going to be a little slow. Um, It's going to be a a slow growth process for the rookie passers. Um, it's gonna be interesting to watch it unfold because like like we said, two of them are playing in, you know, kind of the AFC South there. Well, and Will Levis, who's probably not gonna see the field, and Anthony Richardson. So and then the NF the NFC South as well. You know, you have Bright uh you have Bryce Young playing there, and you know, young Desmond Ritter, who I keep thinking is a rookie, but he's actually not, he's in his second year. But they have, they're, they're playing in some of the weaker divisions, so it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of capitalize on some of that stuff. And I do want to make a special sidebar note here. The Buffalo Bills and the Jets game is starting to look like a, kind of like the rest of week one. Sloppy.
1: Yep, Sloppy. Uh, lead is growing. Looks like it's going to be a blowout. Yeah. At least I think. Buffalo's up 13-6. I think... Uh, well, I don't know. Jets just got the ball back, so uh, they might make a run at it, but I, I think the Bills are going to put this away and in the end.
0: Yeah. We'll see how it plays out. Josh Allen is looking clearly frustrated on the sidelines right now. So we'll just see how it plays out. A lot of game left. Um, a lot of opportunities left for plays, but just kind of continues on with the sloppy play. It's
1: what we, it's been a, it's been what we saw all week one. So speaking of sloppy play, you know, who didn't play sloppy the 49ers. And I, that's my biggest week two thing is can they slow down the Rams high powered offense? (laughs) Um, Man, I think they do, and I think they hang a lot of points on this Rams team.
0: Year. Yeah, it's just funny to me because I did not think going into this season that we were going to talk, be talking about the Rams that way. I thought the Rams were going to be in contention for Caleb Williams and a high first-round draft pick because I just didn't think they had it. But they came Matthew out and looked Staffan great. said,
1: hold my beer.
0: They came out and looked great. But, I mean, man, maybe we, need it. we should have made a bigger point of just how good the 49ers looked. They have two guys on offense that could very well end up being the MVP of the league. Christian McCaffrey looked like an absolute machine. And then Brock Purdy coming off that Tommy John surgery. Man, he's looked sharp.
1: He's slinging it.
0: He is slinging it. I mean, it is going to be interesting to see how this all unfolds. Because they they looked really nice. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, Purdy had 220 and yards, 50. two touchdowns. McCaffrey had 152 on the ground with a touchdown. Uh, and that's before we even get to, like, a Uke's two-touchdown day. Debo Samuel, very quiet day of seven targets, five reeled in, 55 yards. You would assume that he's going to start getting the ball more as well and then didn't even touch on, you know, good old George Kittle, who's there in the red zone whenever they get down there. So I think this offense is maybe the best in the NFL right now, and I'm excited to see if they can continue that into week two.
0: The team is definitely the best. I'm going to definitely, if Purdy can stay healthy, I think the 49ers have the best shot of pulling out a Super Bowl win this year. As of right now, on paper, we all thought it. And then after what we saw in week one, definitely thought that they are, they look like the best team in football right now. They went in and kind of not punched the, four, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers right in the mouth. I didn't want to touch on this one, and we probably should have mentioned it. Kenny Pickett didn't look great.
1: Did not look great. I no. was wrong about Kenny Two Gloves week one. However maybe went against the best defense in the NFL, at least top three.
0: And with the week one slow starts and the sloppy play, hopefully it'll be look a little different week two. No team should be panicking right now. There's a lot to figure out. There's a lot of football left to play. No team should be freaking out right now.
1: Unless but, you're the Jets. Unless you're the Jets, yeah. If if, 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 <laughs> if Aaron
0: Rodgers is out for the season, then it's time to panic because it's yep. going to end up looking a lot like last year did. Although and my just,
1: prediction of the uh, Jets missing the playoffs Looking pretty good right now.
0: Not the way that we had anticipated, but yeah, it's definitely not looking great right now. Hey, I'll
1: take it. I'll take it anyway I can get it.
0: The last point that I wanted to make going into week two, I really just wanted this. I really want, and we've touched on this several times already tonight. I really just want to see where these high-paid quarterbacks, these newly high-paid quarterbacks, how they're going to kind of unfold going into the year this year or going into week two. We saw slow starts from you know Lamar and Joe Burrow. So I'm really curious to see how they're going to play, how they're going to perform with an extra week, kind of some extra reps in practice, some time to think about it, to kind of, you know, get back in the right mindset for NFL football. I just really hope we see a page turn there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think for the NFL sake, like the NFL owners and NFL as a whole and the NFL PA, they're probably saying like, hey, guys, like you got to get your stuff together if we're going to pay you all this money or you're going to jeopardize those coming in behind you of owners saying, Hey, maybe quarterbacks aren't worth as much money as we're paying them because we shell out these big deals and then the production just tanks.
0: Right. And you know, we were, I was talking with, I was talking with a couple um, associates this week and we were talking about next quarterbacks to get paid because you know, this, you know, Joe Burrow just got 277. It's going to just keep going up and up. All these quarterbacks keep up in the next guy it's got to stop somewhere eventually because you're going to be getting in close to half a billion dollars for five years and it's just going to be i I don't think we're very far away from that based off of the uh the the track the the track record what we we've seen thus far i don't think we're going to be that far away trevor lawrence he's getting ready for that next big deal to is looking for that next big deal. So, I mean, we've got some young guys that are going to be getting paid some big money. Decisions are going to have to be made about Justin Fields as well. I'm just really curious to see how this is all going to fold out. The quarterback contracts, I think it's, we stressed about it a lot on this podcast. I don't think it's being talked about enough nationally, just where the quarterback salaries are headed right now. So it's going to be interesting to see how these guys perform after slow starts in week one.
1: Yep, 100%. And uh, I I can only think of like maybe four guys of contracts that could potentially come up here in the near future. Uh, So I think it's very crucial on how these top contracts currently sit with the players in the league and their performance this year and into next year on it will lay the precedent of the next four that are coming up to see if they are worth that type of money or not.
0: No, you're right. I mean, it's going to be really interesting, and it's, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds. So I'm not, I'm not as optimistic as I was hoping I was going to be. But it's, uh, yeah, yeah,
1: it's looking. Yeah. Speaking of unfolding, what you got up here uh, for this upcoming week?
0: So. With our last segment, we really kind of gave generalized thoughts and processes. This one, let's do a little bit something more fun, Caleb. Let's go with actual firm predictions. Something, you know, this might not come true. It might come true. Who knows? So let's just go into some firm predictions, and I'll start things off. My first prediction for week number two is that the Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens is going to be the highest scoring game of the week next week. Both teams right now are coming off of pretty lackluster offensive performances. The Ravens have a ton of questions now that they face some injuries across the board. Lamar Jackson, once again, is one of those guys that got paid. And then, of course, we've we've talked at length about Joe Burrow and their struggles in their first week game against the Cleveland Browns. I think both teams are going to be coming out motivated. I think they're going to be firing at all, uh, on, all, on all cylinders. I think we're going to see a bunch of deep shots down the field trying to get their offenses started right away. I just think it's going to be a really high-scoring game, and, man, I'm there
1: for it. Uh, you and I are on the same page for our prediction then. I have uh, Bengals offense bounces back, Burrow over 300 yards passing, T. Higgins over 70 yards receiving, and I think uh, Jamar Chase goes over 100 yards receiving.
0: I, I mean, I, I, with, with Marcus Williams being out and them already having a lackluster secondary, it's going to be hard for him not to pass the ball all the right way around.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be aired out and then Mixon might get a few on the ground. I don't think he's going to get a ton, uh. but it, I mean, this one might be a barn burner.
0: Yeah. You never know. I mean, I'm thinking that, you know, it's kind of funny looking at all my predictions that I have for next week. Everything seen. It kind of seems to revolve around the offenses bouncing back um, yeah. and everything. Cause it was just so abysmal from pretty consistent sources across the league. So, I mean, it was interesting to figure to see how that kind of played out. My second point is just kind of seeing bigger numbers across the board on the scoreboard. I think we've all become used to a lot of these games going into 30 points. We didn't really see many teams hit 30 points on Sunday. Actually, you know, just kind of looking at all the scores here, I think it was only around five teams actually hit 30 points this weekend. Actually, you no, know, it was seven teams. Seven teams hit 30 points this weekend. So I'm looking for, you know, out of 32 teams, I'm hoping to see, you know, more more teams putting up some bigger numbers across the board. I think it's just a testament to what kind of the offensive play that we saw. But my to, to put it in a, in a firm manner, I think we're just going to see a point increase across the league this week.
1: Okay, okay. Uh, my second point is uh, I think the Lions are going to be eating some more kneecaps. Mm. Uh, I'm projecting the Lions to go to two and zero after this next week.
0: Ooh, the Lions going to two and zero. That's going to be interesting. Who do they end up playing this week? And they end up playing the Seahawks, so very yep. possible.
1: I think uh, they go in or uh, Seattle comes to them. I apologize. Seattle comes to them. Detroit's actually favored by five and a half, but two and zero Detroit who had that on their bingo card to start the year, especially with the Chiefs and Seahawks up first two weeks.
0: Not many people. And, you know, the one thing I do want to stress here is that, you know, they're going and playing the Seahawks, and this is kind of a sidebar. Geno Smith, journeyman quarterback, had his breakout season at age 32 last year. So nobody saw that coming, and he didn't look great yesterday. He looked like he was a little bit lost. Part of that could be against the defense they were going up against. But at the same time—
1: I that, do, the play last yesterday, Aaron Donald coming free uh, right up the middle. <laughs> and you hear him go, oh, God, and throw the ball away. <laughs> That's do a great and You were on the track, sir.
0: I do want to stress, if he has a down year this year, Geno Smith is going to be talked about in football circles in a legendary tone about where did this guy come from, and he was here for one year, and he left after one year. I am so curious to see what Geno Smith can deliver now that, you know, in, in another year older, well into his thirties now, is he going to be able to perform the same way that he did last year, given the additional weapon of, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigbo there. And, you know, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, is he going to still be able to put together another solid season? And, you know, I'm, uh, I'm curious to find
1: out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think he will, but I don't think it's going to happen week two. I think the lines are old.
0: I think the Lions are gonna roll with them too. I think you're gonna to start to see that running game really even get more evol- involved, and it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting to say the least.
1: What you got up for your second one?
0: So it's actually my third one. My third big prediction. My third big prediction for week two in the NFL is I think we are going to see the Green Bay Packers come away with another victory. They're going into Atlanta to face the Atlanta Falcons, who looked like they were a little one-dimensional offensively. And I did want to make mention Desmond Ritter last week, very similar to Jordan Love. He really was not asked to do much. He only only passed the ball 18 times, completed 15 out of 18 passes last week. Looked pretty accurate. Looked like he was doing exactly what they needed to do, which was – manage the game, but this is going to be a little different. All those years of seeing Matt Ryan in the Atlanta Falcons offense, putting up a bunch of numbers and, you know, going to Super Bowls, blowing Super Bowls, all that good stuff. It's going to be a little different of an Atlanta Falcons team this year. And I'm just curious. I really do think that the Green Bay Packers with Jordan Love and all those offensive players, all those running backs, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, I think they're going to come in and they're going to punch the Falcons in the face. And I think they're going to start the season 2-0. and
1: Yep, just a sidebar on that. We are keeping a close eye on Aaron Jones with that hamstring injury. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't suit up, it could affect the Green Bay running game.
0: Could affect the Green Bay running game, but it, and personally, I've, I've, I've been wanting to see A.J. Dillon kind of get the keys to the quarterback
1: the for a while. Quads.
0: He's the Quadosaurus Rex. I mean, what can you say? Man is jacked. So I'm curious um, to see how he's going to perform.
1: Yeah, yeah. So for my third one, I have a – a large parlay for y'all folks. I have and write it down, take note. Go to the go to your favorite sports book, put it on the odds on this parlay. It's a 5 team parlay. The odds are 1049, plus 1049. 1049. And they're all money lines. Eagles win, Niners win, Miami wins, Saints win, Washington Commanders win. Parlay it, take it to the bank. Thank me next week when you make a bunch of money.
0: I might end up trying to do that. I would like to make a lot of money.
1: Yep, put a hundred bucks down, win thousand forty nine. Put ten bucks down, win hundred and forty nine dollars or a hundred and four dollars and nine cents.
0: Hey man, gambling advice from Caleb. You heard it. We're now a gambling podcast.
1: Yeah, I mean, I might give you a couple at the what I think are the best odds at the very end of these, but. Hopefully it gets yeah, to be a little, a little bit money. more
0: predictable going into week two, and it's yeah. not as crazy as it was.
1: Some other wise words, never gamble what you're not comfortable losing.
0: No, that makes sense. I can't wait. I'm not a gambler. I gambled for the first time this past weekend. I lost 50 bucks. So definitely right. not going to probably be pursuing that again. Not really the most <laughs> fun thing in the world. I'll stick to fantasy football and you know speculative, speculative football on my part. But Speaking overall, man, though,
1: Today is the anniversary of the Pete Rose record-breaking hit.
0: Oh, there you go. A little bit of Cincinnati history for you. Caleb, before we sign off here, do you have any last comments or last thoughts going into week two?
1: I think the Saints keep rolling. Uh, they're on a good trajectory. Uh, careful with that Falcons-Green Bay pick. I think the Falcons are a sneaky good team this year. So It's going to be exciting to watch them develop over the ne- over the next couple games and couple weeks of the season.
0: No, I agree with that one. And I I, I can't undersell enough the, uh, the importance of some of these games for some of these quarterbacks to kind of correct their season and get back on the right offensive track. I'm really looking forward to this Monday night matchup next week on September 18th between the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Two teams, you know, Cleveland coming off a big win and, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers coming off of a big loss that they look bad in. So I think it's going to be some grizzled, hard-nosed AFC North football. That's going to be a pretty good game, I think. Pittsburgh, Cleveland, always a rivalry. That'll be entertaining. I'm looking forward to the game. I'm looking forward to almost all these games next week. It looks like a really good slot, uh, slate of games. You know, their storylines across the league. Week one was a lot of fun. It was sloppy, but it was a lot of fun. And, man, football's back. I'm not going to complain. Amen to that. Couldn't agree more. All right, guys. Well, we appreciate you guys for tuning in for episode number five of the Going for Two podcast. If you guys have any questions for us, please make sure that you hit us up on Twitter. Give us a follow, drop us a comment, whatever it may be. If you're listening to this, on, depending on your platform, you're listening to it, please rate our podcast, comment. We're always trying to get better at what we're doing. This podcast is always ever-evolving, and every comment and every interaction that you give us definitely helps get us to the next level and where we want to go. With that being said... I appreciate it, guys. I'm your host, Ben Old, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Kayler Miller, and we hope that you guys have a great football Monday.